This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live, where there's probably not anybody watching me at this moment right now because it took me forever to find a server on my VPN that would actually work. And I'm still waiting for the bitrate to come back from for the stream, so podcast people, you're hearing me just fine. Everybody on Twitch, YouTube right now is wondering, where the fuck is Justin at? Should pop back up momentarily. It ain't working. It's still saying zero kilobits a second. <laughs> well, well, we we may have to go off and come back on. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, I, I went over to Twitch. Reloaded the player, not working. Oh, well, shit. You gonna come back to me? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Is it working? Is it working? Still a no, Jack. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Oh, 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 there it is, there it is, there it is. I thought I was gonna have to turn everything off, turn it back on. (laughs) It finally popped back up. We have liftoff. Welcome to the Troll Patrol live. Nobody's here because everybody left because it looked like Justin was having a hard time. Justin is here now. We've got a we've got a solid bit rate. Again, blaming it on my VPN, not my internet for once. My internet's actually been pretty good. Sometimes the VPN has issues. Why do I use a VPN? Because there are people out there that want to kill me. Stock sitting out there in the corner on the patio. Stock is usually not a outdoor cat. He's it's got to be like seventy between seventy and seventy six for him to be outside. It's about what it is right now. It's like seventy one degrees outside. So he's outside enjoying the outdoors. But he doesn't go out very often. Smokey goes out all the fucking time. Maynard goes out some. Socks will go out when it is a a moderate temperature. All the doors are open. He never asks to go outside. Smokey knocks on the door and tells me he wants to go outside. Damn, nobody's nobody's coming back. I don't I don't have anybody watching me right now. I don't want to start throwing jokes around and shit. Use up all my material without anybody watching. Let me make sure I'm even broadcasting on the YouTube right now. It's possible that I'm not. There is the notification that I'm broadcasting. It says I'm on. It says I'm on, but it's not the it's not the event I created. Fucked all that up. Technology fucks everything up. What's today's meme? Sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. Now that, that is an absurd statement that was a 
Jordan B. Peterson post on Twitter. Sorry, not beautiful. And no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. I sound, I sound kind of like Mitch McConnell there. That statement is absolutely absurd, especially when juxtaposed to a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model's cover. But that statement is incredibly salient when you pair it with a picture of Mount Rushmore. Holy fuck, that works. Sorry, that is not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarian tolerance is going to change that. Ain't nobody coming back to see me. I'm just, I'm... I got nobody watching me tonight. <laughs> thanks to the thanks to the shitty internet. Uh oh, there we go, there we go. RB is here. Yes, the stream is recovered. I my internet is working fine. My VPN is not working fine tonight. It took a little bit to find a server that wanted to host me. Ginger RB, thank you guys. People are starting to trickle in again. Happy to see you guys. I thought I was just talking to myself. Dancing with myself. I have I have people now. I can talk to people. I don't feel so bad. Not high enough for this shit. I've got at least two now. Two of the best. Dustin, welcome. Oh, I, I, um, earlier today, I received an incredibly gracious birthday present from possibly you, Dustin. Might have been a different Dustin. I've got more than one Dustin that watches. I believe it was you. And I am incredibly grateful for your generous donation. Thank you. You are you are helping to make this week like the best birthday week I've ever had. I seriously, things things are wonderful right now in my life. The the universe is just keeps giving me gifts. Tonight is the season finale of Better Call Saul. <laughs> I don't blame you for making donations through Bezos. I did. I contacted a bunch of people today, though, that don't watch me on Twitch ever. And I'm like, hey, do you have Amazon Prime? Because you could just give me free money. Because they give you a free sub every month. Please, if you've got Amazon Prime, go subscribe to my channel. Now, you know I'm not one to ask for money or anything. Uh, I'm... Grateful for the donations, but if you if you really want to get me a birthday present, donate to one of my favorite charities, the Innocence Project, Amnesty International, uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Those are like my three favorite charities. I regularly give to them. That would that would warm my my ice cold heart. I'm not going to ask anybody for money. I just want you guys to share me out. 
Be sure to smash that like button! Ha! <laughs> what a fucking birthday! And I, I forgot when I was naming off the things that the universe was giving me for my birthday week, from the Bob's Burgers movie to the Better Call Saul season finale, the George Carlin documentary. Uh, I forgot to mention my favorite wrestler is challenging for the world title for the first time in like 10 years this, this weekend, this weekend, on my birthday. Sparkles is taking me out to a bougie-ass restaurant. We're going to watch a full metal jacket from my favorite director in 4K on Saturday. She made she made the most awesome-looking birthday cake for me. This is my brownie cookie cake that is infused with a shit ton of marijuana. The cookie isn't edible. The brownie isn't edible. The icing. The icing is edible. God damn. Oh. You you only experience Wi-Fi issues when I'm on. That is weird. That is weird. It's 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 the tech gods working against me. Oh, so had this dude on YouTube responded to my George Carlin, you know, laying the smackdown on Dave Chappelle video from last night. Said that George Carlin would have hated this woke BS. I'm like, dude, dude, if you would watch the video you were commenting on, George Carlin will literally tell you that he would not laugh at those kinds of jokes. RB, thank you for the resub. I saw a woman arguing with Kelly uh, Carlin, George's daughter, on Twitter. <laughs> saying that George would be on the on the MAGA side. And, like, Kelly Carlin's just like, do what? <laughs> Holy shit. And that's the... the, the uh, the, the, the George Carlin documentary is, is fantastic. I, it's, it gets a little dark. I, I wasn't expecting it to be that dark, but at the end, there's, there's like a five minute montage of just like video pictures of all the shit that's happened in the last 10, 15 years since he died, juxtaposed with his comedy. It's amazing. It's amazing. Highly, highly recommend the George Carlin documentary. It was on HBO. I think it premiered Thursday or Friday of last week. Oh, what are we going to talk about on the show? Oh, he absolutely would not. He would have fucking skewered Donald Trump. And we are going to talk about Donald Trump tonight because now Kellyanne Conway has a book coming out and she has said apparently after the uh, pussy grabber tape surfaced, Donald Trump actually thought about quitting. He thought about quitting. I don't know if I believe her. We're going to talk about the Sussman trial. Fox News all up in arms. Oh, the rest of the media is not covering it. But we're going to read about exactly what's going on from a Politico article. Oh, we're going to read about uh, 
Jenny Thomas and her husband's plans for the 2024 election. Warlord, thank you for the resub. Jesus guns babies. Yes, he sent me that. He sent me that fucking. Oh, fuck. Where is she even? Where is she running for governor? Where is she running for governor at? I didn't. I don't even. I've never heard of this woman. Jesus guns babies. She has on the side of her or on or, of her tour bus. Jesus guns babies. Oh fuck! She's running in Georgia. I had no clue she was running in Georgia because that is that is not a that is not a primary she stands a chance in. Is between Purdue and Kemp in Georgia. And we're going to get to that. Tomorrow is election day in Georgia and like five, six other states. We're going to give you the rundown of the races we're going to be watching tomorrow night. What else are we talking about? Oh, oh, oh. Mike Pence uh, has apparently been on some really hard drugs because he thinks he thinks he's going to take on Donald Trump. <laughs> In 2024 for the presidency. What an idiot. There's more. Oh, there is more trouble for Madison Cawthorn. Apparently he had an inappropriate relationship with a staffer. He, he, he committed fraud, uh, trading crypto or some shit. We're going to get the rundown on that. Uh, Biden overseas was giving a speech at like three o'clock in the morning. I almost, almost came on like, well, let's. Watch the Biden speech at 3 o'clock in the morning. He was in Asia. Uh, apparently, his comments about Taiwan have ruffled some feathers. We're going to talk about foreign policy tonight. Blinken, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. Yeah, Dustin, just one appropriate staffer relationship. <laughs> oh, fuck. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, he only he only had two years. He only had two years. And there was a lot going on when he first got there. Remember the insurrection and everything? A lot was going on. So he didn't really have a lot of time. Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is set to unveil our China strategy. Our China strategy come this Thursday. Apparently it's very Trumpian. The new South Korean president says the appeasement of the North is over. Meanwhile, Kim Jong-un was spotted at a state event, maskless. All COVID ravages North Korea. Breaking news within like just the last hour, the U.S. is apparently negotiating some kind of deal with the Saudis, Egypt, and Israel. Because those are three regimes that I have total confidence in and aren't hard right authoritarian. A Russian diplomat has left the UN. The Republicans apparently have a plan to pull back on U.S. foreign intervention, which is a stance I can agree with. But I'm sure that Republicans have some nefarious reason for wanting to do so. Was that scar- was that sarcasm, Scrappy? I, I don't know. 
I'm just talking about like DC was fucking brutal, and then we had the Arab Spring, and then as under who's the who's the fucking current? Oh, oh, thank you, Scrappy. Who's a, the current uh, president? Is a far right nut job. Oh, wait a minute. It's CC? What? <laughs> I thought he was ousted. Uh. <laughs> Ruler with an iron grip, according to the BBC. I'm clearly not up on my Egyptian history. Maybe we'll get a little lesson here later on in the show. I was confused. I thought CC was the dude that they ousted. And there was turbulence for a couple years. And then uh, another hard right winger got in. But apparently CC is the current president. Oh, oh, I didn't play this yesterday. I had the video. Um... Of Pastor Greg Locke from Tennessee, but I everybody every other fucking left winger had played it, so I wasn't gonna play it. But news, apparently, Pastor Greg Locke is uh, no longer tax exempt. That the the church he runs no longer has tax exempt status. We'll play the little clip that uh, went viral over the weekend. And we'll we'll talk about Locke's tax exempt status. Also, I'm going to show you some cheetahs sleeping with a park ranger. Sleeping with a park ranger. I, that's not the only video of cheetahs I saw today, which were was uh, incredibly sweet. Apparently, cheetahs are fucking friendly big ass cats. Let's start off tonight with uh, Biden's comments about Taiwan. Asia as well as the latest in Ukraine. So joining us now is ABC News political reporter Brittany Shepard from Washington, D.C. and ABC News foreign correspondent Tom Sufi Burge. He's in Kiev. So, Brittany, let me begin with you on Biden's comments on Taiwan. Yeah, obviously, the White, White House is trying to clean it up because they say we aren't really changing U.S. policy. But I'm wondering, given what's happening in Ukraine and the president's response to that and what it might say about authoritarian regimes' eagerness to test the United States resolve, might it be intentional on Biden's part? And if not, what's the point? You're exactly right, Terry. I mean, the Biden White House rarely does something like this without intention, even if that they weren't planning on getting their messaging out. Yes, Biden doesn't make gaffes. A new backdrop for a feud as old as time. China and the U.S. infamously unfriendly bedfellows, as you know. Right. And we're seeing Biden trying to reassert the United States and actually his own force in the Indo-Pacific region. And as an international leader, you're seeing Biden get hits on Afghanistan, getting hit by Republicans and even. I I don't know what I don't know what this deal is. And also, like, I don't think in the current situation, in the current situation, when it comes to COVID, I don't think Biden should be going abroad. But hey, what do I know? Maybe 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 that could be a good thing. 
month after month after month. And I think that there's some critical thinking here done by Biden say, if I come out strong against China, if I show that we're willing to not only get up to the line, but put boots on the ground, or as the White House staffer has been saying for the past couple of hours, just providing military help by weapons, that the United States is unafraid to look China in the eye and say, we are here. It's no longer the America first policy that President Trump pushed, that America first was America alone. Now America first means America together, at least if you're Joe Biden. Hmm. Uh, no question that Putin's invasion has changed geopolitics around the world. Uh, and, and Brittany, President Biden set to meet with two other members of the so-called Quad, India, Australia. That's India, Australia, Japan, and the United States, the Quad against China. Uh, so what can we expect from these talks? So we heard a little bit about this trade and economic plan. That was the way I understood it, Scrappy. And we weren't going to do shit about it. Pushing his allies in the Quad to be hard against Vladimir Putin and come out in support of Ukraine, especially pressing India's PM Modi on his relationship with Putin and all of the ancillary damage that this war in Ukraine has caused. It's not just human life and military life, but it's also a strain on human human hunger. There's a humanitarian world hunger crisis that the White House says that they will definitely be pushing this food shortage. You know, Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world. and. India is the second largest grain exporter, and India has banned all domestic exports on grain. That means all the bread they're making is not leaving India. And President Biden will be pushing Modi to see the bigger picture here. In these developing countries, and even here in the United States, you go to the grocery store, um, prices are high. And so imagine you're in a more developing nation. You are going to be hungry. Your children are going to be hungry. And President Biden is going to attempt to solve a humanitarian crisis that we've never seen before. That's just a little bit of preview of what we might be seeing later on today and tomorrow. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Brittany. Let's, let's move now back to the war in Ukraine. So, Tom, uh, the... Pre no, let's not. I thought this was all going to be about Asia. I'm not ready to talk about Ukraine yet. I talk about Secretary of State Anthony Blinken unveiling his long-awaited China strategy in a Thursday speech. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is hoping it's second time lucky when he takes the podium Thursday to outline the administration's China strategy. Three non-administration sources confirmed to Politico that Blinken will make the speech this week. A State Department spokesperson declined to comment. Blinken had intended to outline the administration's China strategy on May 5th at George Washington University, but it was postponed after he tested positive for COVID-19 the previous day. Multiple sources say that Blinken will underscore the administration's existing policy towards China, modeled on that inherited from the Trump administration. The speech will give an overview of the strategy rather than detail on its mechanics, which along with the complete text of the document won't be made public. The speech's timing comes amid a bilateral furor fueled by President Joe Biden's assertion on Monday in Tokyo that the U.S. will militarily intervene to defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion attempt. The idea that Taiwan can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not, is just not appropriate, Biden told reporters during his two-country Asian visit. It's the second time since October that Biden has suggested his administration will no longer observe a policy of strategic ambigu ambigu ambiguity ambiguity regarding U.S. willingness to defend Taiwan. 
China expresses strong dissatisfaction and firm opposition to the remarks by the U.S. side. China will take firm actions to safeguard its sovereignty and security interests, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbin said on Monday. Is, is that the dude on Twitter that's fucking hilarious, that's constantly dunking on everybody? I believe it is. I like that dude an awful lot. Fucking hilarious. The new South Korean president, and like, we're seeing a lot of movement in Asia right now. New South Korea uh, leader says the age of appeasing the North is over. South Korea's new president, Yoon suk yeol sets up a new sign for his desk. A gift from U.S. The buck stops here. Justin Sol, a popular quote from the late U.S. President Harry Truman. A former prosecutor just two weeks into his presidency and fresh from a summit with Biden, Yoon is now dealing with a North Korea expected to launch a long-range missile or conduct an underground nuclear test any day. Our response will be stronger and firmer than it has been before. We will coordinate closely with our U.S. Look, we really are moving towards World War III, aren't we? A leader who's given a five-year plan of what he wants to achieve militarily, he seems to have no interest in talking whatsoever. How do you convince him to talk? I think the ball is in Chairman Kim's court. It is his choice to start a dialogue with us. I do not want North Korea to collapse. My hope is for North Korea to prosper alongside South Korea. At the same time, Yoon says he believes his predecessor's policy of prioritizing dialogue with North Korea has failed. I was so hopeful after that happened. Temporarily escape North Korean provocation or conflict is not something that we should do. Many Old Prescott Bush. But the policy of being over-concerned about the other side's feelings does not work and has proven to be a failure in the past five years. South Korea is one of 13 nations President Biden announced today as joining his new Indo-Pacific economic framework, already criticized by China, South Korea's largest trading partner. Even if we strengthen our alliance with the United States in security and technology, it does not mean that we think our economic cooperation with China is unimportant. So I do not believe it is reasonable for China to be overly sensitive about this matter. President Yoon says he believes China should abide by the rules-based international order. At a time when that order is under pressure around the world, South Korea's president is clear that his country's future, at least for the next five years, is firmly by the side of the United States. Now, when it comes to his discussions with President Biden uh, about expanding the joint military drills, we know for a fact and from experience that Pyongyang will be angered by that. But President Yoon says it is the duty of every military around the world to maintain their readiness. John? Paul, a crucial time to have a discussion like this. Thank you so much. I, I am, I'm not liking what I'm seeing right now. I just, the, the events going on in the world do, they give me pause. This could all spiral out of control quickly. And I don't, I, I shudder to think what would happen if we have Republican control again come next year of the Senate and the House, come 2024. Jesus Christ. 
Him, other North Koreans attend large funeral amid COVID worry. A huge number of North Koreans, including leader Kim Jong-un, attended a funeral for a top official, state media reported Monday, as the country maintained the much-disputed claim that its suspected coronavirus outbreak is subsiding. I wonder what the official died of. I wonder what the official died of. You want to take bets it was COVID? Since admitting earlier this month to an outbreak of the highly contagious Omicron variant, North Korea has only stated how many people have fevers daily and identified just a fraction of the cases as COVID-19. State media said on Monday that 2.8 million people have fallen ill due to an unidentified fever, but only 68 of them died since late April, an extremely low fatality rate if the illness is COVID-19, as suspected. North Korea has limited testing capability uh, for that many sick people, but uh, some experts say it's also likely underreporting mortalities to protect Kim from political damage. Of course! The official Korean Central News Agency said Kim attended the funeral on Sunday of Hoyan Chu Hao, Hei, a Korean People's Army Marshal who played a key role in grooming him as the country's next leader before Kim's father, Kim Jong-il, uh, died in late 2011. What was one of the country's biggest state funerals since his father's death, a bare-faced Kim Jong-un carried Hyun's coffin and with other top officials who wore masks before he threw earth to his grave with his hands at the National Cemetery. Him and hundreds of masked soldiers and officials also deeply bowed before Hyun's grave, state uh, TV footage showed. Didn't say what he died of! Moving from the east side of Asia to the west side of Asia. Negotiating deal among the Saudis, Israelis, and the Egyptians. That's also northern Africa. The Biden administration has been quietly mediating among Saudi Arabia, Israel, and Egypt on negotiations that, if successful, could be a first step on the road to normalization of relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Which usually means it's a deal to sell arms. Just saying, when they say normalization of relations, they mean they we, they want to sell fucking arms. Involves finalizing the transfer of two strategic islands in the Red Sea from Egyptian to Saudi sovereignty, five U.S. and Israeli sources told Axios. If an arrangement is reached, it would be a significant foreign policy achievement for the Biden administration in the Middle East. U.S. and Israeli sources said the agreement is not complete and the sensitive negotiations are ongoing, according to the U.S. and Israel sources, who are knowledgeable about the negotiations but who are not at liberty to publicly discuss them. The White House wants an agreement to be reached before President Biden's upcoming trip to the Middle East at the end of June, which could include a stop in Saudi Arabia, according to the sources. Wow. I mean... They pay for this country, so... The Tehran and Sanifer Islands control of the Straits of Tehran, a strategic sea passage to the ports of uh, Aqaba in Jordan and Elite in Israel. I fucked all of those words up. Saudi and Egyptian officials said Saudi Arabia gave Egypt control of the islands in the 1950s. 
They were later demilitarized as part of the 1979 Israeli-Egyptian Peace Treaty. The White House and the Israeli Prime Minister's Office declined to comment. The embassies of Saudi Arabia and Egypt did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Yeah, Scrappy, that's what it sounds like to me. I, oof. None of this, none of this sounds good. A top Russian diplomat leaves the United Nations over Putin's warmongering. Boris Bondarev had been a senior figure on Russia's mission to the UN since 2019. The counselor for the Russian mission to the United Nations in Geneva has resigned his post in shame. In shame. Hey, sassy! Resigned his post in shame with a damning hate letter to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Hate letter. We're reading from the Daily Beast. It's calling the February 24th invasion of Ukraine not only a crime against the people of Ukraine, but perhaps the most serious crime against the people of Russia. A bold letter Z crossing out all hopes. Of pr- what is he, Zorro? Crossing out all hopes and prospects for a prosperous, free society in our country. Boris Bondarev had worked at Russia's foreign ministry since 2002, first in Moscow and then in Geneva, during which he said the levels of lies and unprofessionalism in the work of the foreign ministry has been increasing all the time. It is highly unlikely the former diplomat will go back to Russia, but there has been no confirmation about if he defected And if so, to what country? I don't know about the Z thing. Is this something I need to read up on? Mysterious Z painted on Russian tanks closing in on Ukrainian border. A Z written in the Roman, not acrylic alphabet, has been painted on a number of Russian military vehicles rolling towards Ukraine. While the world continues to watch Russian troops mass and maneuver along Ukraine's vast borders, an esoteric group of investigative journalists and military experts are focusing on an ominous Z that has started appearing on military hardware heading towards Ukraine. Video posted on social media has shown hundreds more tanks, communications vehicles, and rocket launchers bearing down on the border. Now, clearly this was before the invasion. Many of those captured on camera have been painted with a Z inside a large white square. Bellingcat reporter, Bellingcat is awesome. Uh, also an organization that uh, if you wanted to do something for my birthday, if you insisted to give money somewhere, Bellingcat would be a great organization to support. Eric Toller says his group has been monitoring Russian military symbols for the last eight years, but they have no idea what they, the Zs, are. And haven't seen them before, so assume the worst, I guess, fear. Some, like Russian defense policy guru Rob Lee, whose social media followers have grown exponentially uh, thanks to his keen uh, dissemination of what's going on, believes the symbol may refer to uh, contingents assigned to Ukraine regions. It appears Russian forces near the border are painting markers, in this case Z, on vehicles to identify different task forces or echelons. 
Others have speculated Russia is borrowing a play used in World War II by allies who use symbols to avoid friendly fire accidents since most Ukraine tanks are Soviet-era and easily confused with Russia's fleet. There's also speculation that the Z could stand for Russian enemy number one, Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky, who has vowed he won't be drawn into action by the saber rattling around the country. Further confused matters, Z is not a letter in Russia's acrylic alphabet. While the phenomenon of what some have dubbed the Zoro Squad is relatively new, the threat of a Russian invasion of the sovereign nation of Ukraine is starting to grow old. Well, we learned something. Also, I want to point out the Russian soldier that we watched the testimony of the other day where the widow confronted him, has been found guilty and sentenced to... He pled guilty. Sentenced to life in prison. Sentenced to life in prison, which... I don't know that that's just, honestly. Just following orders is no defense, of course. But, like, I... (laughs) He's been fed lies. The people that need to rot in prison are commanders. The people that actually did this, not the rank-and-file... Soldiers. It's just like how the burden of all this bullshit always falls on, you know, the poor people. I hate that. I I want to see the people actually calling the shots held accountable. There has to be some kind of culpability, you know, fucking, should he serve a jail time? Absolutely. Should it be the rest of his fucking life? Probably not. It is, it, as is tradition, as is tradition, Dustin. That is correct. Republicans are plotting a foreign intervention pullback. According to Axios, Republican lawmakers following former President Trump's lead are working with a wide range of conservative groups to pull back American support for Ukraine, the Middle East, and Europe, officials tell us. I knew, I knew, I knew there was some nefarious reason. There is some nefarious reason why Republicans would want to do this. This isn't because they're anti-interventionalists. They're not on the payroll of defense contractors. You guys, you guys see what's going on here. You know what we started with with tonight, right? All these stories about Asia. GOP poised to retake control of the House and perhaps the Senate next year. This contingent could grow substantially. Trump is backing candidates who explicitly broke it, uh, have broken with the Republican foreign policy orthodoxy. 11 Senate GOP no votes on a $40 billion Ukraine aid package last week was the clearest sign the new coalition's influence is expanding. Senator Rand Paul, who led and who hopefully won't be in the Senate and will contribute to Democrats holding on to the Senate. Senator Rand Paul, who led the Senate opposition, 
huddled in his office with several of the coalition's key players before the House voted on the measure earlier this month. They included representatives from the Koch Political Network, Cato Institute, populist-oriented groups, uh, American Moment, and the American Conservative Magazine, according to a person who attended. Promoting a realist foreign policy agenda has always been a priority of Dr. Paul's is why he's been holding meetings with interested groups and fellow members for years and will continue to do so in the future, a Paul spokesperson told Axios. They discussed messaging and strategy on Ukraine, but also U.S. foreign policy more generally. Tourists described the atmosphere as upbeat, with Paul seeking, or seeing the Ukraine vote as a catalyst for self-described realist elements in the party seeking to pull the U.S. back from deeper military involvement in Europe, the Middle East, and elsewhere. It's because they want a war with China. I, Hands down, I guarantee it. They want a war with China. I'm sure their thinking goes something like this. Uh, our military is stretched too thin to deal with China, so we need to pull them all back and regroup. Let's talk about elections, shall we? First, we're going to cover the elections going on tomorrow and which races we need to watch out for. 11 primaries to watch in Alabama, Arkansas, Minnesota, and Texas. We're reading from 538.com. Races to watch in Alabama, the U.S. Senate, the 5th Congressional District, the Governor and Secretary of State. When Republican Richard Shelby announced in February 2021 that he would retire, the odds seemed high that deeply conservative Alabama would replace the results-oriented incumbent with a culture warrior in the mold of Trump, but the state's GOP primary for U.S. Senate hasn't quite shaken out that way. Trump initially endorsed Representative Mo Brooks, a Trump loyalist who was the first member of Congress who said he would object to the 2020 election results, and Brooks did indeed lead in most polls during 2021, but the former business counsel of Alabama President Katie Britt, Shelby's former chief of staff, jumped into the race with her old boss's endorsement and former Army helicopter pilot Mike Durant, whose 1993 capture in Somalia was dramatized by the movie Black Hawk Down, poured $9.5 million into his own campaign. Meanwhile, Brooks's campaign struggled, and by mid-March, he was trailing both Britt and Durant in the polls. Trump noticed that in March and withdrew his endorsement. But it's not a funny thing happened after Trump pulled his endorsement. Brooks started rising in the polls again. The Club for Growth, the anti-government spending organization that had jockeyed with Trump for influence within the party, is still backing him and has spent more than $4.4 million on his behalf. Perhaps as a result, Brooks gained 13 percentage points between late March and mid-May, according to Emerson College. And according to an average of the two most recent polls, Britt currently has a 31% support, Brooks 27% and Durant 25%. If, as seems likely, no one receives a majority of the vote, the top two finishers will advance to a runoff election on June 21st. 
With Brooks leaving the House to run for Senate, Republicans will also choose a nominee in his deep red 5th Congressional District. Which is my district. Which is, which, 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 which shouldn't be deep fucking red. It's, it's gerrymandered. Madison County Commission Chairman Del Strong leads the money race. Del Strong is an asshole. Know him personally. No Mo Brooks personally. Also an asshole. Leads the money race with $1.1 million raised, but he has come under fire for relocating a local Confederate memorial. Strong says he did it, did so to protect it. <laughs> Second biggest fundraiser. God damn. He's come under fire for moving a more. It's, it's illegal to do that here in this state, by the way. The... The state passed a law against removing memorials. It's it's insane. It's insane. There's also an unexpectedly spirited Republican primary for governor, despite the fact that popular incumbent Governor Meemaw, as we call her, Kay Ivey, is running for re-election. And just in case you guys don't know who Kay Ivey is, we need to we need to show you. You've got it. You got to see a Governor Meemaw ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is this is the one. I I cannot let you guys if you're not aware of who Governor Meemaw is. He was. She was. Oh no! I want the actual ad. I want the ad. Yes, yes, here we go. He was the lieutenant governor for um, Robert Bentley when he was busted for having an affair with one of his staffers, used state money to cover it up. That's why he was ousted and she became governor. I'm Kay Ivey. If Joe Biden keeps shipping illegal immigrants into our states, we're all going to have to learn Spanish. My message to Biden, no way, Jose. That's why I sent NATO wow. to protect the southern border. And that's why we banned sanctuary cities in Alabama. The left can try to counsel me, I don't care. But here in Alabama, we're going to enforce the law. By the way, one of the things that makes her so disgusting... It is widely believed that she is a lesbian and that she lives with her lover and she is a disgusting Republican. So now you know why we call her Governor Meemaw. That's why I couldn't, I couldn't. I could not let you guys see this. I have to deal with it, so you do too. In Arkansas, the races to watch are the U.S. Senate and the governor's race. On paper, Republican Senator John Boozman shouldn't be in any danger for re-election. He's already been comfortably elected to the Senate twice, and Trump endorsed his latest campaign early last year. However, multiple primary challengers are accusing the mild-mannered incumbent 
of being insufficiently loyal to the former president because he did not support overturning the results of the 2020 election. Oh, as such, Boozman hasn't taken the race for granted, having spent $4.9 million from his flush campaign coffers and getting another $3 million in air cover from outside groups. Although it's not competitive, the Republican primary for governor also deserves an honorable mention, with Republican Governor Asa Hutchinson term-limited. Major Arkansas politicians like Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin and Attorney General Leslie Rutledge initially threw their hats in the ring, but ultimately former Trump Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders cleared the field with her old boss's endorsement. She is now well on her way to becoming the 47th governor of this dark red state. A job her father, 2016 presidential uh, contender Mike Huckabee, once had. Races to watch in Texas. The 15th, 28th, and 30th congressional districts and the attorney general's race. Texas already had its primary on March 1st, but in a handful of races where none of the candidates reached the majority vote threshold, runoffs will be held on Tuesday. We won't be keeping up with every race on Texans' ballot tomorrow, but there are some big ones to watch. First, Trump endorsement power will be put to the test in Texas's Republican primary runoff for Attorney General, where embattled incumbent Kim Paxson, who was indicted like five fucking years ago, embattled is putting it mildly. Try crooked, crooked Ken Paxton. We'll face off against Land Commissioner George P. George P. Bush. George P. Bush. Yes, yes. Son of that fucking Bush. It's the main test of Trump's endorsement power on the ballot in Texas tomorrow. And so far, polling suggests that Paxton is well positioned to win. A poll from Dallas Morning News, University of Texas at Tyler, for example, gave the Trump-backed incumbent a six-point edge over Bush. Notably, however, Republican Governor Greg Abbott has stayed on the sidelines for this race, while Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who has publicly clashed with Bush in the past, endorsed Paxton. No Democrat has won a statewide race in Texas since 1994, yet it's worth keeping an eye on the competitive Democratic primary runoff for Attorney General taking place on Tuesday between uh, Rochelle Garza, a former American Civil Liberties Union lawyer from Brownsville, and Joe Jawalski, a former mayor of Galveston. Polling on the Democratic side has been sparse, but the aforementioned Dallas Morning News, University of Texas at Tyler survey had Garza leading Jawalski the party's nomination. If she was a um, lawyer at the American Civil Liberties Union, more than likely that's the candidate that I would back. I'm assuming. Beyond the marquee attorney general's race, though, we'll also be keeping an eye on a handful of congressional races in and around Dallas, for example. State Representative Jasmine Crockett is seeking to uh, succeed the retiring U.S. Rep. Eddie Bernice Johnson, a Democrat, in the predominantly black 30th district after barely missing the majority vote threshold, needed to win outright in March. The congressional race in Texas that's arguably garnered the most national attention, however, is the rematch between Representative Henning Cuellar and the the pro-life Democrat 
backed by Biden and Nancy Pelosi at a time when they say they are on the side of supporting abortion rights. And progressive attorney Jessica Cisneros in Texas's 28th district. The Democrats will go head-to-head again after Cuellar netted only 49% of the vote in March, compared with Cisneros' 47%. It's going to be tight. Cuellar also only narrowly beat Cisneros in 2020, but the incumbent could be in real trouble this year. Just ahead of Texas' primary, the FBI raided Cuellar's home and campaign office. Though his attorney has since said that Cuellar is not the target of the investigation. Even more damaging for Cuellar, though, is the revelation that the Supreme Court might be ready to overturn Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that established the congressional right to abort, uh, constitutional right to abortion. Cuellar has a reputation as an anti-abortion Democrat, and Cisneros and progressive allies have sought to highlight that. Cuellar, for his part, has tried to downplay his anti-abortion stances, releasing a statement in May that the leaked Supreme Court decision was not based on precedent and would further divide the country during these already divisive times. What a cop-out fucking statement. Exactly what we don't need from a Democrat. Minnesota primaries are actually on August 9th, but we're getting an appetizer of sorts due to a special election in the state's first congressional district after the death of former Republican Rep. Jim uh, Hagedorn. In February, both parties will choose their nominees to replace him on Tuesday. The biggest name in the 10-person Republican field is former Minnesota uh, Republican Party Chair Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Carnahan. was also Hargadin, Hargadorn's widow. But both of those connections came with baggage. Cornahan was forced to resign as state party chair last year after a top donor with whom she was uh, close was indicted for child sex trafficking. Though she denied knowledge of the crimes, multiple former party employees also took the opportunity to accuse Carnahan of covering up workplace sexual harassment and fostering a hostile work environment also recorded in December of 2020, saying of her husband, I don't care, Jim, he's going to die of cancer in two years, so be it. Since Hargadorn's death, his family has also sued her over what they claim is a failure to repay medical expenses. She sounds perfect for the Republican Party. On the Democratic side, former Hornmail Food CEO Jeffrey Ettinger Boo! Automatically don't like him. Former CEO, fuck off. Give me civil rights attorneys. That's who I want running as Democrats. Former Hormel Foods, which also not a very good food brand. CEO Jeffrey Ettinger. Sorry if any of you guys like that Hormel chili. Looks likely to emerge as the nominee, having outraised his closest rival, 423,000 to 36,000. He'll face an uphill climb in the August 9th general election. Southern Minnesota District elected a Democrat as recently as 2016. It rocketed rightward during the 2010s and now has a 538 partisan lean of plus 14 Republican. Yeah, they didn't even mention Georgia. 
And that's just what's, what's at stake on Tuesday before we get to Georgia. Uh, they, yeah, they don't even go into the races. There's the Senate primary with Herschel Walker. There is... The thing that we would care most about is the fact that Stacey Abrams is going to be the Democratic nominee for governor. Quite possibly win, but we're going to be keeping an eye on the governor's race between Purdue and Kemp. I have no clue who owns Hormel. I do not care. I think they make shitty-ass chili. But then again, I think any kind of chili you get out of a can is shitty-ass chili. I don't like it. Oh, oh, oh. Except I order goddamn Skyline. That chili you get out of a can is good. I like me some Skyline. Fuck off with your Hormel and all your other fucking chilies. I make my own bitches. Hell, last the last couple times I've had Skyline, it's been like a knockoff recipe. I've been making my own. And I'm getting damn fucking close to nailing it. Then I won't have to spend $5 on a little ass can. Cincinnati chili, bitches. Uh, you know, you hate to see it. This next story, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. He definitely looks good in drag. I have the picture. It's way far down here now. Here we go. Here we go. Look how cute he looks. Look how cute he looks. He he has just had an onslaught of bad press over the last few weeks. And now it continues. More accusations uh, coming the way of Madison Cosmoward. We've got a new development now in a story that broke right as we were coming on the air about this new House Ethics Committee investigation just announced. New member of Wham! Congressman Madison Cawthorn, the North Carolina Republican who just lost his primary election, basically. He is now responding to what we're hearing. NBC's Julie Serkin is on Capitol Hill. So, Julie, first, explain this investigation. It sounds like relates to a couple of things. Cawthorn's use of crypto, apparently. Julie wore the puffy shirt. We are also now getting the response from Congressman Cawthorn's uh, office. Fill us in. Yeah, exactly, Hallie. The House Ethics Committee voted unanimously, the 11-member panel, to create what essentially is a subcommittee to look specifically into those two allegations that you just laid out at the top. Cawthorn's office just responding to us. I'm going to read you a piece of it here. They're welcoming the opportunity to prove that Congressman... He's on his way out. Why wouldn't you just refer it to the Justice Department? Prosecute him as a private citizen. What the fuck? Why do we have to waste taxpayer goddamn dollars on hearings? Don't you motherfuckers have more important shit to do? No, no, he fucking, he, he spilled the beans on Republicans, so he, he must pay. You can't, you can't leak dirt on people on Capitol Hill. And the Democrats are going to be complicit in holding him accountable for doing that because they also have dirt they want to hide. Fuck off. Cawthorn committed no wrongdoing and that he was falsely accused by partisan adversaries for political gain. They reiterate the inquiry is a formality. Their office isn't deterred in the slightest from completing the job the Patriots of Western North Carolina sent us to Washington to accomplish. That job, Cawthorn will be in for just a couple more months because, as you mentioned, he lost his primary election. A couple more hours. Announcing that they have launched this investigation into him, they also said this doesn't. Seriously, seriously, I would be, I would be far more, and it's just like, just like the the gun nuts, 
The people that want to fuck guns, I would respect you more if you just came out and say you have a gun fetish. I would respect you far more. I would respect the members of uh, Congress far more if they were up front about their coke orgies. But they can't be. They can't be because they are acting like they're pious-ass Christians. When in reality... You live in sexual anarchy? Did I Photoshop his face? Did I not Photoshop his face? Who knows? For a committee that's often shrouded in secrecy, this is probably the last thing we're going to hear from them until they complete their investigation, which could take several months. But Cawthorn doesn't have that much time left here. So we've seen all of these things kind of play out in the public sphere, including pictures, videos, allegations of uh, potentially that wrongful relationship with a congressional staff or a member of his team, some other things that have come to light. But one interesting here, though, they say that they are not investigating a speeding ticket that Madison Cawthorn received while driving with a revoked license in North Carolina. So clearly they say they have enough evidence to see if perhaps Cawthorn did anything wrong on those two other things, the cryptocurrency and the wrongful relationship allegedly with his congressional staffer. Hallie. Oh, Madison. You silly boy. Speaking of silly boys... Mike Pence apparently thinks he's uh he's gonna take on Trump in the Republican primary, sir. I would hate to to break it to you, but you ain't even gonna clear like half a percent. Ain't a chance in hell. Ain't a chance. They hate you. They hate you. Former Vice President Mike Pence signaled that he is open to a 2024 presidential run against former President Donald Trump during an interview with the New York Times published on Monday. A run would mark a definitive turn in the relationship between Pence and Trump. I would have thought the definitive turn would have came when Trump supporters were chanting Hang Mike Pence and they had the gallows set up and everything. Remember that? The growing rift between them has been evident for some time. Back in March, Trump admitted the two had not spoken for a long time. We'll go where we're called, Pence told the Times during the interview, which was conducted last month. Pence added that he and his wife, Karen, would approach the matter through prayer. Trump spokesperson Taylor... Butterwich told the Times that Pence is desperate to chase his lost relevance. Oh, God damn. Reality is, President Trump is already 82 and 3 with his endorsements, and there's nothing stopping him from saving America in 2022 and beyond. Pence will stump on Monday for Georgia Governor Brian Kemp ahead of Tuesday's primary election, the Times reported. Kemp earned, tr- er, earned Trump's ire for refusing to back his baseless claims around the 2020 election. Trump subsequently endorsed Kemp's opponent, former Senator David Perdue, and donated to a political pack aimed at unseating Kemp. Meanwhile, Pence has been accumulating a war chest for a 2024 run. A praying Karen. How appropriate. Speaking of uh, Hillary, let's talk about the 2016 election, shall we? All kinds of 2016 news. 2016. 2016 news. 
Kellyanne Conway, in her book, apparently said that Trump toyed with quitting after the Access Hollywood pussy tape. I will never... I was floor director for a, a TV station. That night, I was floor directing. I remember exactly where I was. Me, the dude that has no fucking idea what he, what he did yesterday, remembers exactly where he was. In the TV studio, when I heard the grab, grab her by the pussy. Oh my god! I was like, "Well, that's it. He's he's lost. Surely, surely." Donald Trump considered dropping out of the 2016 presidential race after the leak of the now infamous Access Hollywood tape showed him boasting that women let him grab them by the pussy, according to Kellyanne Conway. Now, I do not believe her. I do not believe her. I do not believe her. Were there people around Trump telling him that perhaps he should drop out? Were there Republican operatives trying to pressure him to drop out? Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that happened. Kellyanne Conway is lying just to sell books, I'm sure. I am sure. This was just to make news. This was to get uh, stations talking about her book. Well, Kelly, it worked. Conway, a former Trump campaign manager and senior advisor, made the surprising claim in her new memoir, 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 Here's the Deal, a copy of which the Daily Beast obtained ahead of its release tomorrow. Writes that on the night of October 8th, 2016, in the secrecy of Trump Tower, she and Trump huddled around the corner from the elevator landing on the 24th floor to maul the future of his candidacy. Trump had seen reports that the GOP could force him off the ticket or hold a vote to expel him amid the fury over his disgusting comments captured on video a decade earlier. Should I get out of the race? Trump asked Conway, according to the book. Conway's description of what was happening in private stands in stark contrast to Trump's public comments. The then-candidate told the Wall Street Journal late on October 8th that there is zero chance I'll quit. I never, ever give up. I just, no, there's no way his ego would have let him quit. Absolutely not. You actually can't, Kellyanne Conway quotes herself as saying, unless you want to forfeit and throw the whole damn thing to Hillary. I'm assuming Kellyanne Conway just has a hatred of Hillary Clinton. So let's hear her talk about Hillary for like 10 minutes. And it looks oh, like fuck, it's like 15 minutes. God damn, I'm sorry. With a very uh, jury that seems very compromised and a judge that seems to have a horse in this race. For some reason, John Dorham said, I'm going to... A jury, like, notice they're already setting up because they have made such a big deal about this is the Sussman trial. This is the result of the Durham investigation. If you spend any time in right-wing circles... That's all they're talking about right now is the Sussman trial. Now it proves Hillary made up the whole Russia collusion thing. (laughs) That trial is currently ongoing. Kilmeade already setting the stage for the fact that like nothing's going to happen to Sussman. The judge is biased. The jury is biased. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck off going to go ahead with this and we're going to have this trial with michael sussman who seems as guilty as the day is long that is just part of what kellyanne 
uh, Conway has experienced when she had her four years and, of course, the years leading uh, the Trump. He seems guilty. Why? Because he worked for Hillary Clinton. As an advisor. Her book is now out. It's called Here's the Deal. The special was last night. Out tomorrow, right? out tomorrow. Tomorrow. You can order it today. Please yes. do. Kill me, listeners. Uh, that, and we have a lot. <laughs> uh, Kellyanne, great special last night. Our special was fantastic. It's amazing. Very <laughs> special. <laughs> Which is weird. That's never been done before, I don't think, in the history. But uh, but you always do things that make history. Here's the deal is his name. First off, on what Cash Patel said. Yes. When you were... I asked a lot of people who were in and out, like, were part of the campaign and were on the outside and then inside... So I'd watch these revelations come in. It's like Donald Trump did this. Donald Trump did that. Yes. And I go, is this is, what's going on here? Like, did you notice where were there calls going in? Were there some? I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody was saying that's absolutely not true. But they'd say, I never saw any of this. When some of this stuff was coming in, uh, starting really what October, September. I have no clue what he has just said for the last minute. What in the fuck? What in the what in the fuck is he talking about? And I'm gonna assume it's one of those things where if you live in the right wing echo chamber, like fucking, it's just the conversation that's going on. But like, he sounds nuts to me. What the what? The, what that didn't make any sense. Remember October? Right. Did, did you ever say to yourself, guys, who is this? Nope. I'll tell you why. We were so busy. We were understaffed, under resourced, underestimated, underdog campaign. And the strategy was very clear. I was transparent about it every day. There's Donald Trump going to seven or eight states. Governor Pence doing the same. Speaking in front of the cameras directly to the people. And then I was on seven or eight TV shows a day on average, Brian, going through the strategy. We're going to go to Michigan, Wisconsin. We think our message will play in Pennsylvania. We're going to be a little bit less in New Mexico and Nevada. Here's why. And if I were talking to Moscow you wouldn't have seen me. I was talking to people in Macomb County, Michigan, and Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. Not a bunch of Russians. The reason that this took hold... You, you weren't the one being accused of talking to Russia. We have all the king's horses. Yes, right-wingers are indeed fucking morons. And, and all the media behind them, they didn't have a good candidate. They had a flawed candidate, and they, in case of emergency... Yeah, that is true. Hillary Clinton was indeed a flawed candidate, and that's the problem of not having competitive primaries. And goddamn, if fucking if 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 Joe Biden was going to be our president, why the fuck didn't he run in 2016? Why the fuck? Why? I would I would much rather have had that Joe Biden. You break the glass, you pull the ripcord, and you come up with another strategy. Their strategy was to pretend that we were being aided and abetted by Russia to win the election, and they didn't leave it on election night. They actually accelerated these rumors and these claims and pretending there was evidence. After Even her husband thinks that, Sassy, and not in a good way. Was being discussed in the Oval Office on January 5th, 2016. I know, I know that's the reason why he didn't run. Trump is going to be sworn in. We're being but told, like, I, Jared downstairs in the Navy mess, we're being told we want a smooth transition, democracy. Trail of Xanth. Xanth? I fucked your name up. I am so sorry. I wanted to call you Kralio there. Kralio. Oh, you're Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. What is up? Well, thank you for being a freaking follower again. I love the emote bomb. I, I could make it to where it like pops up. It's like now the blah, blah, blah is now a, a follower. But like, I really like the emote bomb. I think that's fun. 
democracy needs it. We're a sturdy country, et cetera. And the fix was in. They came to Trump Tower the very next day, Clapper, Comey, Brennan, the national security team, to brief the president on very scary situations around the world. I don't understand what's what's so controversial about that statement. That's literally the Republican fucking policy towards Israel. Make Jebus come back. Literally. Literally. Oh God! I even had I even had somebody you know point out Trump you know moving the embassy and shit like we're a friend of Israel blah blah conservatives love Israel I'm like no it is just so you can can make Jebus come back in your warped fucking worldview. Sorry, sorry, got off topic there. Back to Kellyanne Conway and her bullshit. And as they were leaving, I write in my book. Here's the deal on sale today, Brian. That. Comey takes Trump aside, basically just standing up. And it was as an aside and says, well, we're looking into this. We don't know too much. Seth Meyers asks me about it on TV a couple days later. And and then Donald Trump has that press conference. On that in the comedy atrium, show. On that, right. And that, well, where people used to be funny. Um, I like comedians who are funny. But anyway, Donald Trump, the day after that, he has a big press conference in the atrium of Trump Tower. You'll remember this. Seth Meyers is still funny. He's being asked questions about this. And he's curiously looking around. The the Hunter Biden laptop contents are more verifiable than the Steele dossier. And which one was pushed and pushed yeah. and pushed for years with no verification and no veracity? You see that now because people are in courtrooms under oath on the record. So they're being honest now. As opposed to the Steele Yeah, we're going to get into that here in a second. Don't 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 think for a, for a moment I'm not going to let you uh, get out of here without the deets on the Sussman trial. Collusion with any kind of authority they wouldn't have. They wanted to stop Donald Trump, but they couldn't do it. So BuzzFeed did it after Trump was elected. Then CNN went ahead and ran a story referring to the BuzzFeed piece, and they won awards over this. And the New York Times people won Pulitzers over this. Give but, them back, and let's pay attention to the Sussman trial because now actual heads are going to roll, I believe. Okay. Uh-huh. I watched it in other channels, too, because I was astounded because, you know, I've been here a while and you've been on their channel a while. I've never seen such a division between two worlds where there'd be real issues going on, the economy growing, the deficit growing, whatever it was, good or bad, good or bad. Uh, you know what the president's policy was with NATO. You know, there's stuff to talk about. So I'd be preparing for a show and we'd be talking about, OK, the president wants to pull out of NATO. Maybe his chief of staff disagrees with that. That's kind of interesting. Yes, right? of course. But you turn on the other channel. You come on. We talk Russia, about Russia, that. Russia, Russia was nonstop. And about this, and so you'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And after a while... Honey, you turn on Fox News right now, and all you guys are talking about is CRT and woke culture and all this fucking bullshit. The Sussman trial is the first thing that you can even, like, call newsworthy that Fox News has covered probably this entire fucking year. Some of the things on the laptop have been verified. As real, the the Department of Justice have said some of the contents are real. Now, if you were trying to plant evidence, and wouldn't you put some real things in here on a fake laptop? But once again, like, what does fucking Hunter Biden? What do these fucks think the Hunter Biden laptop proves? What's on the laptop that I should care about? And and why why do you feel that Trump's connections to Russia, which are well established, which the Mueller report goes into, which the Senate Intelligence Committee report goes into, 
Why are you trying to downplay that? I almost understand why some of the guys and some of the women were like, why do I want to do this interview? They're just going to keep bringing everything about Russia, and behind the scenes you're getting things uh, going. They would and, also do it in the, the Oval pre- Office. And, and, the, and the press room was a joke. The president would, that's right, the president would invite the press into the Oval Office, something Joe Biden does not do. They now have said because he needs a teleprompter, Brian, they have to recreate a phony what? Oval Office. What? Is it It's. I just hope people know that this is. these are the facts. What? And President Trump would sua sponte, spontaneously invite the press into the Oval Office, I would assume that the reason why the press isn't going into the Oval Office the way they used to has more to do with, like, COVID concerns and shit and getting close to them as opposed to, like, the the press room, which they probably have ventilation set up and is much bigger. Teleprompter. As I pointed out many times, Joe Biden is at his fucking best when he's just speaking from the heart talking to somebody. He's horrible on a teleprompter. Oh, but he needs a teleprompter to speak. Idiots. To talk about whatever guest was there, whatever policy prescription was going to go for, whatever was happening legislatively on Capitol Hill. And they would ask him, every question would be about Russia. And you know what? We should have known then what's happening now, which is this, Brian, that this White House wants you to believe what they say, not what you see. And the same thing was happening with Russia collusion. Instead of focusing on what you see... And what you want to be true uh, of this policy or, or that they're telling you, believe what we say. And I think it's all coming back to hurt them. Hillary Clinton is damaged goods. This ridiculous notion she could ever run for president again, be a three-time loser. Right. Have at it, lady. Who the fuck said she was going to run for president? Hopefully even she knows not to do that. How weak their bench is. But don't forget that the media didn't just want Donald Trump to win in 2016. They were shocked that he did. And I think the shock and embarrassment of Donald Trump winning in 2016, which is uh, talked an awful lot about in new ways, never never before told stories in my book, Here's the Deal, Brian, that bothered them more to be embarrassed and shocked by Donald Trump's election than even him being president. Go down further. Silicon Valley. Because you use Facebook and use Twitter in order to win and get your message out and circumvent. And they, they would determine, you know who told me that? Neil Ferguson in 2017... Uh, I can't remember who was on camera or we're waiting in the break. And he said, you cannot overstate how embarrassed and angry Silicon yes. Valley is that they ignored Facebook and Twitter. You guys didn't. You used it, circumvented, uh, and used social media. And they feel responsible for Trump winning, and they're going to get back at him. And they did. So two people to know there. Jeff Sucker at CNN and huh? Zuckerberg at Facebook. Let me focus on both of them. They were both. Peter Till. Peter Till. Hardcore Trump supporter. That on the board of Facebook, uh, just like uh, last year, might still be on the board of Facebook, but I think he left. Fucking, fucking uh, uh, dude at Twitter, I forget his name. He was he was the CEO at the time. Like, they weren't against Trump, motherfucker. Didn't Zuckerberg go to the White House multiple times with Trump? What the fuck? Both, as you correctly point out, reviled and insulted and just put upon by their... Jack Dorsey, thank you. ...up to Harvard Institute of Politics on December 1st. They had this tradition of inviting both campaigns as senior people and devolved into Jennifer Palmieri, who apparently also knew uh, about this uh, Sussman stuff, according to Robbie Mook and others. But anyway... um, Notice how you you never get an actual... 
detail of what Sussman did, what Mook did, what they are accusing them of. It just alludes to them doing bad things. Just some nebulous thing that happened. But they're not informing you of exactly what's going on in the trial. Was being excoriated by his colleagues saying that Trump is your fault. You kept the empty podium waiting for Donald Trump in the right-hand corner. You covered every single word he said. Then we caught him on audio giving him coaching. Correct. Before debates. And so people were mad at him. And what did he do? All of a sudden, CNN had to become the anti-Trump network. Not even their, Their job is to get this story, but their mission was to get the president. Absolutely. And it's all evidence. Yeah, uh-huh. In the 2016 campaign, Brian, people say, what did Zuckerberg do? The answer is nothing, meaning he let us run ads on Facebook. We paid our money. We ran our ads. Same thing on Google, YouTube. We used Twitter. President Trump, Mr. Trump used Twitter well. And so the net net effect of that is we were under-resourced. So we could not do all TV ads. Hillary had unlimited resources. But we knew this is where people were getting information now. It's very natural for you to receive your information digitally. So we invested in that 50% digital ads. Break! Thank you for being a freaking follower. But Zuckerberg came under fire. How dare you? Why didn't you just not take their money? Why did you help elect Donald Trump? So what happened in 2020? Dave Bossie's new movie, Rigged, is brilliant because it goes through all of the states Rigged. and the precincts where Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, through two nonprofits, CLTC is the acronym for one, called so This is just the 2,000 mules shit all over. It's probably the same accusations just done by somebody that's got a better reputation. That sounds like a nice goal, but riddle me this. Why did 92% of the money that was spent go to Joe Biden? Uh, one precincts. You don't want the rest of us to be safe. So I think that's President Trump and I were discussing that book and he the documentary and he said, what do you think? And I said, I read that and I'm surprised you won Mississippi. In other words, the fix was in in so many places ahead of time. It's fine to spend money to help people vote. But why are you picking and choosing the states, Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, these places that ended up being razor thin margins? Mm -hmm. And we know with COVID, COVID became COVID was a reason for us to vote differently. But now it's become an excuse for us to continue to vote that way. And that has to stop. A couple of things. The NRA got attacked and destroyed, and they they were a big help. First of all, COVID's not over. Well, yes, they were. They were a big help. Only because they're reaching out to their members and saying one person, Hillary Clinton, has an F on the Second Amendment, and Donald Trump has an A. And then just to to motivate, the NRA was motivated to help you guys. Same thing with the pro-life groups. Same with the pro-life groups. Fuck the NRA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about how we don't have ties to Russia and then bring up the NRA support. Jesus. Absolute meltdown. It was clearly the wrong person to lead that organization. And he had an absolute meltdown. We ended up shirtless being arrested after allegedly striking his wife. And that is the representation of the guy. In the she fight. literally made that claim He's earlier that like, oh, we weren't working for Russia. Oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> I was going to leave it running there. Oh, well, I cut her off. We've had enough about it. Senate report reveals NRA was foreign asset to Russia ahead of 2016. This is this is the uh, Republican Senate, by the way. <laughs> oh, shit. National Rival Association helped two Russian nationals ahead of the 2016 election to a far greater extent than was previously known. And the gun... Oh, no, this would have been Democrats. I'm sorry. And the gun rights group may have acted in ways that could cost the organization its tax-exempt status. Those are two findings of a new Senate committee report that is out this morning. It says the NRA operated as a, quote, 
foreign asset for Russia during the 2016 campaign. No, 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 no. It was. It was Republicans. It was Republicans. The Democrats retook the Senate in 2020. Yes, it's one of uh, my, uh, my wallpaper on my computer, on all my different monitors is just different musical acts I really enjoy, and that is a beautiful picture of Lady Gaga. What else do you expect? So, Kellyanne Conway pointed out, you know, hey, we had help from the NRA. The NRA gave us an A. Ha ha. The NRA was a Russian asset, and you just denied that you were being backed by Russia. Ma'am, I got a question to ask you. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Damn right she can. And when I saw her a few years ago, uh, she did a million reasons, and like there was a like a girl right behind me. Was like two teenagers. I wanted to turn around, slap the shit out, and be like, "Fucking Lady Gaga is singing her fucking heart out for you." Shut the fuck up. RB over here getting creepy with the restream bot again. You live in sexual anarchy. <laughs> oh fuck. Jurors here contrasting the stories about FBI handling of Trump-Russia secret servers claims. Uh, so this is from Politico, updated today. An FBA, uh, F, FBA, FBA, an FBI agent involved in the investigation of links between Donald Trump and Russia told a colleague weeks before the 2016 election that top FBI brass were fired up about since-discredited allegations of a secret communications channel between Trump and a Russian bank with close ties to Vladimir Putin. On the seventh floor, to include director, are fired up about this server. FBI agent Joseph Pinta wrote in an internal instant message to another agent working on the issue, Curtis Hyde, on September 21st, 2016. Reach out and put tools on it. Not an option. We must do it. Pinka's comments revealed in courtroom testimony on Monday was part of a conflicting narrative presented to jurors about the secrecy and urgency with which the FBI treated allegations related to the Putin-linked Alpha Bank. Those claims arrived in the Bureau via Michael Sussman, a cybersecurity attorney who represented the Democratic National Committee and the Hillary Clinton campaign in the final weeks of the 2016 contest. I'm re- like I'm too high for this shit or something. Special counsel John Durham has charged Sussman with falsely telling the bureau he had brought the Alpha Bank tip in his personal capacity, not on behalf of any clients, potentially affecting the FBI's handling of the tip. But Sussman's defense team has em- emphasized that the bureau was well aware of Sussman's ties to the Democratic Party and that the circumstances of the tip were irrelevant to the FBI's decision to pursue it and ultimately deem it unsubstantiated. Ongoing trial is the first courtroom test of Durham's long-running investigation into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia investigation. He's used the Sussman prosecution to publicly disclose a broad swath of his case. Sussman's team, though, has cast doubt on the allegations, describing them as a desperate effort to shoehorn salacious and misleading evidence into the public record. Just the tip. Just the tip. So far, Sussman's trial... God. 
You people with your dirty minds. You live in sexual anarchy. So far, Sussman's trial has featured testimony from a series of high-profile witnesses, including Democratic Party attorney Mark Elias, former Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook, and former senior FBI officials. By Pinka's messages, other witnesses described the Bureau's reaction to the Alpha Bank tip as relatively modest. A limited offshoot of a much broader and more urgent investigation of Russia's interference in the 2016 election and any evidence of the Trump campaign's involvement. Indeed, current and former FBI witnesses seemed to have hazy memories of aspects of the Alpha Bank episode and indicated their recollections were heavily influenced by notes, emails, and messages they exchanged at the time, which have been unearthed by Durham's team. Bill Pristip, who led the FBI's counterintelligence division in 2016, said he recalled regular briefings about the broader Trump-Russia investigation known as Crossfire Hurricane, but that he didn't recall similar briefings on Alva Bank. It was not something I was regularly briefed on, And if I recall correctly, at the end of the day, it didn't amount to much. It fizzled out. So this entire trial seems to be a nothing burger. And I think Brian Kilmeade knows that as he was setting up. Oh, the jury's tainted. The judge is biased. Nothing is going to come of this. Meanwhile, Fox News continues to downplay the real scandal in our government. The attempted coup and a certain Supreme Court justice's involvement. I like to call him Justice Pube Can. The Capitol attack panel to hold six public hearings as it aims to show how Trump broke the law. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol is expected to stage six public hearings in June on how Donald Trump and some allies broke the law as they sought to overturn the 2020 election. This is according to sources familiar with the inquiry. Things are set to be a pivotal political moment for the country as the panel aims to publicly outline the potentially unlawful schemes that tried to keep the former president in office despite his defeat at the hands of Joe Biden. Now, As RB keeps pointing out, the investigations into Benghazi and the hearings that they held were almost limitless. What was the number, RB, without me having to scroll back up? Was it 48? But the overturning, or the attempted overturning and insurrection, the overturning of our election, the insurrection against our country, gets six hearings. Six. Absurd. Absurd. And still, still, they're playing like footsie with Jenny Thomas instead of actually subpoenaing her and getting her to come before the panel. Clarence and Jenny Thomas are telling us exactly how the 2024 coup will go down. Reading from Slate... On Friday, the Washington Post broke the news that Jenny Thomas sent emails to Arizona election officials asking them to set aside the will of the voters and submit a slate of fake electors who would support Donald Trump even after he demonstrably lost the 2020 presidential election. The news barely caused a ripple because there is seemingly nothing to be done about Justice Clarence Thomas's refusal to recuse in cases that materially affect his spouse. I don't want him to recuse! I don't want him to recuse. 
He should be impeached. Recuse my ass. Call for him to resign. And if he won't resign, impeach the motherfucker. But seemingly nothing can be done about Justice Clarence Thomas, or as I like to call him, pube can. Refusal to recuse in cases that materially affect his spouse, even as he has already decided several matters surrounding the 2020 election. And also because the same spouse had written far more inflammatory QAnon-style texts to Trump's chief of staff, urging him to set aside the 2020 contest, and nothing was done about that either. In reality, of course, there's plenty to be done about Supreme Court justices who declined to be bound by federal recusal statutes and judicial ethics canons. But unless and until there is ravenous public appetite for reforms to the court, we will continue to watch this play out in mute horror. As though it's a Netflix special about the Tudors. I don't get that joke, Slate. And the only recourse we have is to return to our mutton farming. Nothing like this mutton. There's a Seinfeld joke. Forums aside, there is another more crucial lesson to learn from the Thomas's tag team efforts to seat a president who lost an election. What's past is prologue and what was done sloppily in 2020 is being mapped out by experts for 2024. Easy to dismiss the demented texts and emails from a sitting justice's spouse to public officials who have long-standing professional connections to that justice's zany conspiracy theorizing. Jenny Thomas can be lumped into the QAnon weirdos bucket with Cleta Mitchell, Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, and Mike Lindell. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Hapless insurrection enthusiasts who were unable to marshal a single winning argument in an actual court of law after using the 2020 after losing the 2020 election, but the other way to look at the texts and emails that were pinging around the highest echelons of power and influence in the weeks after November 2020 is as a warning and roadmap for what is already being put into place for the next presidential contest. But next time, the lawyers won't be sweating uh, brown makeup or referencing cracked pot theories of Italian election meddling. Jesus fucking Christ packed the courts indeed. Because Republicans are already trying to stack the deck in their favor. We've seen in Pennsylvania they want to win. Mastriano wants to win so he can appoint the Secretary of State. we got the batshit crazy woman in Michigan running to be Secretary of State. Secretary of State controls the elections in the state, and those are the people we don't want near the levers of power. Not the Four Seasons Hotel, though. Four Seasons Landscaping. We watched that clip on the second anniversary of the Troll Patrol, what, like, a month ago on 420. Speaking of QAnon crackpots, Pastor Greg Locke in Tennessee has apparently dissolved his tax-exempt status. I don't know this to be fact I have looked for evidence. Uh, What we have to go by is apparently Locke said it himself. And people have 
uh, called the IRS for confirmation. The IRS says they have no um, they have no record of tax exempt status. But here's what he said. Right now, if you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You can get out, you baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. I don't care how mad that makes you. You get pissed off as you want to. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. You are a theocratic fascist, sir. You are a gigantic piece of shit. They hate this nation. Get mad all you want to. I don't care if you stand. I don't care if you throw tomatoes, praise God. I'm about to throw a microphone up in his house. CNN can Man, I wish I had some tomatoes. be a Democrat and a Christian. You cannot. Somebody say amen. The rest of you, get out. Get out. Get out in the name of Jesus. I ain't playing your stupid games. Bunch of devils. I'm sick of it. Hey, want to talk about the insurrection. Mm. Let me tell you something. You ain't seen the insurrection yet. You keep on pushing our buttons, you low down. I don't believe he's gay because he had an affair with uh, uh, one of his staffers. That should come as no surprise to anybody. He's now married to her. But he, he cheated on his first wife with somebody that worked in the church. Because of course he did. What else would you expect? I wonder how many women he's knocked up and uh, paid for an abortion for. I'm sorry, compromisers. You God-hating communist America, you'll find out what an insurrection is because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. My Bible says that the church of the living God is an institution that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the Bible says that we'll take it by force. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible I don't even know what he's referring to. We'll take it by force. Motherfucker, the Bible tells you not to judge others, which you you are a master of. It tells you to love your neighbors as as if they were your own. It tells you, tells you how to uh, treat foreigners in your country. You don't believe in the fucking Bible. You believe in Republican Jesus, which is just a mythology you assholes created. Bible says... It's gonna get worse... It's going to get worse. I'm to the place. Oh. So that was on May 17th. That's where he gave his, you vote Democrat, I don't want you in this church speech. Uh, This is posted today uh, from the Tennessee Holler. Uh, this is where uh, he says that he has apparently dissolved his cha- his tax exempt status. In case some of y'all been reading the uh, newspaper, you think we're crazy. Nobody's forcing you to be here today. Drag him out right now in Jesus' name. Drag both of them out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name, you demon! You do it while I'm preaching. Oh, oh, oh! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is this is just a a like a supercut of all the stupid shit he said. But he claims he gave up his IRS status voluntarily. Because we ain't playing your stupid Democrat games. So, Father, we need to be released in a spirit of giving. 
We might need to give a little bit so we can increase security around here. And Lord, it ain't gonna get no better. It's gonna get worse. People better make up our mind whose side they're on in this fight. Saying that I called last week to take up arms against the government. If they heard that, it's because they're smoking crack. Or apparently, they didn't, they didn't pay attention. You God-hating communist America, you'll find out what an insurrection is. Because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. So that wasn't at all what I said. They don't care what you say. They only care what it sounds like you say so that they can make you say what they want you to say. So wow. You. And the Bible says they will take it by force. Everybody mad because I said that in this day and age, you can't be a Christian and vote Democrat, which, by the way, you can't. OK, so I still believe that because everybody's like, oh, what we need to do is take away their tax exempt status. I got an attorney. And I dissolved our stinking 501c3 in this. Oh, shit. There it is. The government ain't going to tell me what I can and what I can't say. So, IRS, we don't need your stupid tax-exempt status. Good. Good. 501c3 communism in this church. And the IRS and the FBI and everybody we've been turned into can eat my dirty socks on live TV. I'm sick of all these. I'm calling it right now. This motherfucker is going to prison for tax evasion. It may take a decade. It may take two decades, but this motherfucker will indeed go to prison for tax evasion. Mark my word. Mark it down right fucking now. These limp-wristed false prophet pastors siding with the Democrats. No wonder these panty-wearing pastors closed their church down during COVID. Bunch of sissies. Let their wife run the show. That they actually cared about people and knew that they could fucking have online services. Fuck you, dude. Take away his 501. No, you ain't. We gave it up. It's stupid. So you and all your compromising communism 501c3 can get out. When tyranny becomes law... Rebellion because Oh wait, exactly, Drake, exactly. Whips is what I'm calling for. It's amazing what I'm preaching on today, by the way. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Wow, yeah, beware of false prophets like yourself, sir, who enrich themselves. By the way, taking the Lord's name in vain meant using God to enrich yourself. Not saying goddamn. Just, just in case you guys didn't know. I know you need a palate cleanser after that one. So here's a park ranger who apparently uh, has a family of cheetahs that sleep with him at night. Yes, a family of cheetahs that sleep with this park ranger at night. Uh, the forest. The forestry department found out and they decided to verify the veracity of the claims by installing uh, CCT cameras. Here's what they found. And uh, it is indeed. No, do not mainline Jesus. Do not mainline Jesus. (laughs) No, I ain't anti-drug. Remember, kids, remember. Shoot up drugs, not schools. Look at those babies. They're just big kitties. I mean, that's exactly the way Smokey and Socks do. They're just big fucking kitties. Oh, I want to sleep with the cheetahs. 
Yeah, that's exactly the way I do fucking songs and Smokey. That's it. Smokey would put his fucking foot up on somebody's face. That's exactly what happens. They're just big kitties. Oh, did you see that head pop up? I love them. I want to go sleep. But look at that fucking tail. This bald cheetah is weird, but still comfy warm. Apparently cats do indeed think that you're you're just a bigger cat. And they don't understand why you can't hunt. <laughs> as as I understand it from listening to like YouTube cat experts. Oh, they're so sweet. Oh, see I I've got three kitties, but only two sleep in a pile with me. The third one sleeps at my feet. Yeah, cats are just small big cats. Okay, okay. And then they find out that we cannot. I, I, I wouldn't want to own a big cat. Like, that's like a status symbol kind of deal, right? And also, like, unless I've got fucking acres upon acres upon acres, they don't they don't need to be kept by me. Oh, does one of them constantly have to be on watch? Is that why one keeps standing up? <laughs> I love how they don't care. Let's wake everybody up. I if 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 somehow some way I end up having uh, money to my name one of these days, I will spend it on rescuing animals. I will I will have a gigantic yard and it will be full of animals. I'll go, I'll go to every fucking shelter I can and I will get all of the oldest animals. Old puppies, old kitties, you're all coming with me. That's who I like to focus on when I go to the animal shelter. I haven't, I haven't been down to, because I don't have a car anymore, I, I haven't been down to like take puppies for a walk or anything at the shelter, but that's what I used to do. I would go and take an older puppy for a walk. I would go into the, you know, the cat rooms. I wouldn't play with the kittens. I'd play with the older kitties that aren't getting as much attention. And even, even my kitties that I rescued, they, they are kitties that I, I, you know, probably wouldn't stand a chance at a shelter. So I took them in. Oh, Drake, if you, if you are on the discord, please, please, please put, uh, put puppy pictures in the discord. Puppy pictures in the Discord. Yeah, and you don't have to deal with, you know, kittens fucking your shit up and disciplining them and teaching them and shit. But also, like, I just... You know, everybody wants kittens. Kittens are easy to give away. You know, not everybody's going to take in an older cat. So I, I I, want to take in the older cats. My, Maynard was the youngest one when I got him. He was like two and a half. Socks was around five and Smokey was around uh, three or four. 
Sox was five or six. Smokey was three or four. That's just, Sox is like 11 or 12 now. I can't believe I've had him that long. Smokey up there on his cat tree. Oh, there's a Maynard. You know, I need a, I need a, a Socrates. I need to make a, a Sox emote. Yes, one of one of my kitties is named Maynard. I did, that's that's Maynard right there. I'm gonna go in here and I'm gonna grab him here real fast. Uh, he was named after the lead singer of Tool, Perfect Circle, who is my idol, Maynard James Keenan. Let me let me go get him for you. But that's that's the reason why I got him. I saw a kitten named Maynard, and I'm like, well, the universe is telling me he's my cat now. I'm sorry, he was not on the bed like he usually is. He's outside. He is like in the corner of the patio. And he's like, I don't want to come in right now. My mom, like as far as I know, her oldest cat is still alive. It would be like 26 at this time or 20, 23, 24. Like, yeah. Would it be? No, no, no. Two, 2006. 2006 and it would have been like a year or two years old so what would that be 14 18 yeah I really overshot it didn't I it's about 20 19 or 20 as far as I know it's still alive but I haven't talked to my mom in a while hey there's Maynard he ain't having none of it He knew I was going to grab him. He knew I was going to grab him. What an asshole. And you can't really see him over there. He's next to the cat tree. I'm sorry. I will show off Maynard some other time. All right, if you're watching on Twitch, uh, I did not kill enough time for Media Winch to come on. I apologize. I do... Highly recommend you guys check out Media Winch here in a little bit. I do believe it's Meltdown Monday tonight. Yes, yes. Echo Echoplex is already on. You guys want to go listen to music for like ten minutes. We're gonna we're gonna raid Echoplex. It's Meltdown Monday with the Media Winch. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all, oh, and while, while I've got uh, several of you in here right now, don't forget, on Friday night for the Freak Show, it is my birthday stream. Sparkles and I might be a little late. We might not be starting at 10 p.m. Eastern like usual, and I will also be taking Sunday night off. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol, live.